When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Thank you, Kate. Uh, hello, everybody. Hey, you know, uh, not all of us are gone for Labor Day weekend, are we? Right? Good to see you. Hey, you know, some of you may remember in mid-July, uh, our finance committee chair, uh, Jeff Burnett, stood up here and said, well, the best we could predict that uh, because of people we knew who were not going to come back after the pandemic, we could, see, we could predict a shortfall of about $80,000 this year in our, in our giving. And uh, so <clears throat> shortly after that, I announced that uh, they, what we call the Ministry Fund Matching Challenge. And uh, <clears throat> because somebody in our church had said, I'll donate $40,000, and you can challenge the rest of the church to donate the other $40,000. And that, that total of 80 then would make up that shortfall. Well, today I have good news. And, I, and I, the goal was to do this by the end of August. Well, the end of August was last week. And uh, I can tell you that uh, we have matched the original $40,000. We matched it three times. So, so far, yeah, so far we have received in, in gifts and pledges, including the original gift, $165,000 for the ministry, ministry Fund Matching Challenge. Now, folks, that's like scoring three touchdowns in the third quarter right there, yeah? And as long as we don't fall asleep in the fourth quarter, we may have just put the game away. Now, you might say, well, Steve, why did you keep letting us give once we met the original goal? <laughs> well, I wanted to give everybody a chance to participate. But three reasons, really. First, I won't be surprised if the total of, of what we lost from people who have gone is going to be a little more than 80,000. But secondly, this will put us in a position to then make up that amount next year too. And then also next year, uh, we have to make up the $72,000 that we used this year for the forgivable government PPP loan. So we've got some hurdles in front of us, but this is going to go a long way both for this year and next year to put us, make us financially sound. 
Uh, let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that uh, somehow you just keep leading this church on. You are in charge here, and you're going to provide. And so, Lord, we thank you. And now, Lord, we want to join our hearts together in this, in this prayer that many of us have come to know and appreciate. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin, turn us around, set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. Well, today we continue our series called Love My Church, and I hope that people everywhere love their church. Uh, and just so you know, loving your church does not mean that you love everything about your church. I don't know that you're ever going to find a church like that. Some days it's hard to love your church. Can we admit that? Just like some days it's hard to love your family. Today is week four of a five-Sunday series where we're focusing on Faith Westwood's values. We are relational, practical, generational, missional, and invitational. And today, we're going to dive into the missional value. And uh, so I'd like to invite up Lori Corette uh, Zook. And uh, I know... Uh, you know, it's been about 10 years ago that we started the Faith Works Pantry. And uh, it wasn't too long after that that, uh, Lori, you started uh, serving with that too. So anyway, tell us a little bit about you, Lori. Oh, I forgot this first service too, didn't I? Okay, there you go. Tell us a little bit about you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about the Faith Works Pantry and what I've been working on along with others. Mm -hmm. So um, I am a, a farm girl from southwestern Minnesota. I went to South Dakota at SDSU and got my engineering degree. Um, came to work in Omaha for the last 37 years at the same engineering company. And I also have a husband, Mike, um, who is a school teacher and he, um, we've been married for 28 years and we have two daughters um, that are young adults. Yeah, and I know that um how did, you, how did you get involved in the pantry? How did all that begin for you and, and the rest of your family? Well, it all started really with our small group. Kay Arns at the time, or Kay Ritz now, um, was our, our leader, and she was very passionate about the pantry. Um, and so through that, we became involved, um, not our small group, but other small groups some um, through time. So it was really through that relationship yeah. that we did that. And, and your kids did too, isn't that right? Yeah, they've been working along with us all the way through. When we first um, started the pantry, actually, we were out of the parsonage is where we were. And um, uh -huh. there was activities that they also helped uh, bag the groceries and kept them involved, yes. You know, for you to, and so many others, to continue doing this for such a long period of time, uh, you must find things about it that are rewarding. Yeah, very much so. I mean, as we do this, there are, are a couple things that kind of stand out. Is just the relationships that you meet with the patrons, the people that we're serving, and also the volunteers um, that are helping. 
So with the patrons is that there are some people that come for a season. They might be there for just a short time. Some of them come every month um, and we see them. And so during that time, we have a chance to develop a relationship with them, get to know a little bit about them, um, about their life. Um, and so that's always nice to um, be able to um, reach out and touch um, them on a one-to-one -one basis. And also with the volunteers, so we have a core group um, of several small groups that um, work with the pantry for continuity, but then we also have volunteers that come in and help, and so we always appreciate them, and it's just uh, neat watching them all work together. Yeah. Um, Laurie, are there any um, certain moments that kind of stand out to you uh, about serving with the pantry? I guess there's a couple. Um, I guess the one thing is that, um, so before the pandemic, we would have people that would w wait at the door, um, especially on, um, on Wednesday nights, and the pantry didn't open till five o'clock, but we would have people there at 3, 3.30 already waiting to come in. And during, the, when the weather conditions were either very hot or very cold, they'd still be standing out there. And so I would let them in early if I was here at um, three o'clock. And we had an opportunity in the waiting area then for everyone to kind of get to know each other. And we kind of play a little game where it says, okay, say what your name is, and then the person, the next person would say their name, and then the person behind them. And so we did this. Um, there were several months, and everybody kind of got to know each other on a, on a first name basis and got to know them a little bit better. So that was um, interesting there. You were starting a small group. Yeah, that was our own little small group there. Uh -huh. um, uh, that was. And um, the other, one other item, um, one time um, Thanksgiving turkey big bag giveaway, I helped coordinate that. And uh, every year, in um, addition to the food that is that they get in their, in their bag, we also give them a $15 gift card to Walmart so that they can either purchase a ham or a turkey or whatever type of meat that they want to have with that bag. Um, and so one time I was using one of the gift cards that we had left over to purchase some items for the pantry. And the cashier looked at the card um, on there because it said on there, you know, to be $15 for turkey or ham. And she looked at that and said, I remember getting one of these just last um, Thanksgiving. And um, she said that really helped her through that time um, in her life when she could eat, use some extra food and it made her Thanksgiving a little special. So that kind of touched me. Yes, it did. I mean, what a surprise to go through the checkout line and somebody just didn't notice that and to comment on it. That's very yeah, powerful. It was. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Uh, you know, there are two ways to look at mission, and both of them are correct. We, we talk about them in both ways here at Faith Westwood. First, an organization's mission is the cause that drives it. It's the business that you're in. Uh, our mission statement is this, making disciples of Jesus Christ. A lot of you walked in the uh, east entrance today, and if you look up above there, you see it printed on the wall, right? Making disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, and what that means is that we're helping people to come to know Jesus, and to become his followers. That's the business that we are in. Now, this is based on the end of Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We call that the Great Commission. Uh, we also use the word mission 
uh, in the sense of serving others. And that's what our missional value is about. And uh, with each of our values, we have a statement that goes along with it, it that defines it. And here's the one for our missional statement. Uh, where, will you say it with me? We love Jesus by feeding, befriending, and blessing those in need. For example, when people come to the pantry, and you kind of gathered this from here in Lori talk, we don't want them to just walk away with food. We want them to feel befriended and to, to know that they are blessed. Let's open our Bibles, shall we, to uh, Matthew 25. We're going to start with verse 31. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 994. Now, earlier in chapter 25, Jesus tells two parables about being ready for his return. The first one is a story about ten bridesmaids, five who were foolish, or excuse me, five who were ready and wise, and five who were foolish and missed the wedding. And then Jesus ends the parable by saying, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. He wants us to be wise and ready for his return. And then he reinforces it with the next parable. Uh, three servants are entrusted with their master's wealth while he goes on a long journey. When he returns, each of them has to give an account of what they've done with his wealth while he was away. The purpose of the parable is to tell us to invest in Jesus' work until he returns. And then we come to today's story that Kate read for us a little bit ago. Now, it's not exactly a parable. It's, it's more of a picture of the future. And verse 31 sets the stage. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, people knew that this is prophecy right from the book of Daniel about the coming of the glorious Son of Man, this, this royal figure coming to judge the nations. And judgment is about separating. Did you know that? Judgment is about separating. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. How? As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, notice Jesus says, all nations. So, you know, this is going to be all of us, all nations. Past people, past, present, and future, all over the planet. You and I will be there. And Jesus will separate us. Now, his listeners have, have seen uh, this particular image lots of times about the sheep, with sheep and goats sharing the same pasture, right? You look out there. They also know that at night, the herder puts the sheep in one pen and the goats in another. I don't know. Maybe they sleep better that way. I, I've also heard that, that goats are harder to keep warm at night, in a cold night, so maybe they have to start a fire to keep the goats warm. But the point is that the Son of Man has come to separate people, and Jesus continues that, that metaphor of the sheep and the goats in verse 33. He will put the sheep on his right 
and the goats on his left. I, I want to show you this picture. Last spring, during that Holy Week drive-through that we had, I got to hold one of Mark and Sandra's little baby goats. It was just so adorable. I couldn't resist. You know, I just wanted to pick it up and hold it. And uh, so, you know, when, 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 when they're little, it's hard to tell the difference between, uh, you know, the baby lamb and the baby kid. Uh, but here's what I learned. Sheep tails go down, goat tails go up. There you go. Simple, right? Uh, now, what happens next in Jesus' story? Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I don't know about you, but I am so looking forward to hearing Jesus say those words. Come on in, Steve. Steve, you are blessed by my Father. I've been preparing this kingdom for you since the beginning of time. Come on in and enjoy. And then Jesus tells us why those on his right will be hearing those words, 35 and 36. He says, for I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now, right away, the people on Jesus' right are confused. They haven't seen Jesus. He's been gone a long time. How could they have done these things for him? And so going on, they ask this. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord... When did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to, and go to visit you? And then in verse 40, Jesus surprises his listeners. It may not be a surprise to us if we're familiar with this passage, but just think how shocking it was the first time. Then the king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, who's he talking about? Who are the least of these? Scholars that I greatly respect are going to answer that question differently. Um, uh, some would say that the least of these would refer to Jesus' people who are suffering for their faith. Uh, others would say that it would refer to anyone who is suffering for any reason. Now, I tend to think that it's the latter, anyone suffering for any reason. But this story, I think, creates a bigger problem than that. And one of the, you know, one of the main beliefs of Christianity, and is straight out of the New Testament, is that we are not saved by our works. Salvation is a gift of grace, and we receive that gift through faith in Christ. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it because of our good works. And yet here, Jesus receives into his eternal kingdom those based on what they did, based on their acts of mercy, their good works. So, what is it? Are we saved through our faith or by our good works 
Now, when we read all of the story of Scripture, I think that we have to say that, yes, we are saved by faith and not by our works. So how do we understand what Jesus is talking about right here? I see two possible solutions, and they both may be right. One is that these acts of mercy are how we show our faith in Jesus. Good works are always the outward expression of our faith. As James 2.18 says, I will show you my faith by my deeds. The other possibility is that when Jesus judges the nations, and even for those who do not know him, he seems to be saying that they will be judged by the law of love, by showing mercy. Jesus basically said the same thing at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the blessing? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown what? Mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Could it be that this includes people from all the nations who never knew Jesus? What, what if showing mercy is an expression of the kind of faith that God is looking for. And it could be that we who claim to know Jesus, if we are not merciful, if mercy is not in our hearts, not shown in our lives, then I think we call into question the genuineness of our faith. Starting the second half of Jesus' story, which I did not have Kate read uh, this morning. Verse 41. You still have your Bible open? Follow verse 41 with me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Whoa. Those are strong words, huh? Now, can we say that this is not a literal fire? I think we can. But whatever it is he's talking about, fire is a symbol for something that is really not good, and Jesus is warning about it, warning us about it. And, and, and why must these people depart from the Lord? Because they did not show mercy to those in need. They may have believed factually in Jesus. Maybe they could recite the creed. There was no gratitude in their hearts. No humility. No mercy. They just thought they were better than everybody else. And, and it's this story that shapes our missional value. We love Jesus by feeding, befriending and blessing those in need. Now, today, we're lifting up this value, but whenever we celebrate being missional, I think that we have to walk a really fine line because if, if doing missional things ever comes about, you know, patting ourselves upon the back, how great it is to be us, then we're not really doing it for Jesus. The ones that Jesus puts on his right, you notice kind of in the story, they seem to have a certain selflessness about them. They're not, they're not trying to earn points with God. They're not trying to prove their superiority. They're just doing it. Because that's what Jesus is do. 
We receive mercy from God and we show mercy to others. We receive grace from God. We show grace to others. Uh, next week is our annual Outside the Walls Sunday. So no worship in here, 1045. We're going to meet at 9 o'clock for a short rally, and then we have all of these different ways and places that we can serve. There are more than 20 different opportunities. If you got that little sheet, half sheet, when you, you walked in, had the whole list there, um, this is one more opportunity for us to put our mission value into action. And so I hope you don't miss it. It's also going to be a lot of fun. In September, our Faith Work Pantry is going to be open twice as usual, but we're going to switch one of the days. Uh, starting this month, we're no longer going to be open the third Wednesday of the month from 5 to 7. It's going to be the second Thursday. Okay? That's going to go on from now. We'll also be open, of course, the fourth Saturday from 10 to noon. Now, the way I see it, I think our volunteers do a good job. It takes a lot of humility to serve our pantry patrons. And you know, when you come to serve the, at the pantry, it might be good to just kind of pray through that before you come. Because it would be so easy for us to come off as, you know, without even intending it, to come off as, well, we think that we're better than they are. And that would ruin everything. And as I've often said, the pantry is not about the food. You know that? The pantry is not about the food. The pantry is about the people. It's about the relationships. And just so you know, if you are a worshiper here at our church uh, and things are tight for you, we can always schedule a personal pantry visit anytime. We've done that many, many times. We love Jesus by feeding, befriending, and blessing those in need. Another way that we do that is by our prayer blankets. And uh, our blanketed with prayer team, they make all these blank, tied blankets and crocheted shawls and blankets, and they, and they pray over them, and they pray for those who are going to receive them. And so uh, in the foyer and in the west entrance, you'll see these shelves with the bags and uh, these gift bags, and they have all these different kind of blankets in. You can kind of look at them and see what's there. And you can go pick one up anytime. You don't have to ask anybody for permission. You just walk up, look them over, take one out, walk out the door. And you can give it to anybody that you are praying for that you think might appreciate it. I think Jesus would say, I was sick. Or I was grieving, and you brought me a prayer blanket. We love Jesus by feeding, befriending, and blessing those in need. You know, one thing about our five values is that we don't just do a program for this one and one for that one. We want to integrate all, each, all of our values into everything that we do. And we try to do that with our missional value as well. That's why, uh, as you heard Miss Leah say about uh, Vacation Bible School, uh, all the people who were in a part of that in, back in June, they brought in more than 2,000 items for the pantry. We want the missional value to be everywhere. And that's why some of our small groups, they find a way to bless a, a family during December to, for, for Christmas. 
And that's why we have a Helping Hands Fund that helps anyone, uh, Faith Westwood, who's going through a rough patch in their lives. We use it all the time. And that's why we have a Bless Friends Fund where you can request a gift to somebody that you know in need, and there are only three easy requirements. One is they don't have their own church, and they live locally, and you're praying for them. And then you can request a gift, and we'll work that out with you, and then you can take that gift. Said, I know you're going through a hard time, and my church just wants to help. Friday morning, uh, I was in the office, and a guy showed up at the west entrance, and I didn't know him. Uh, he was wearing a, 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 you know, a COVID mask and carrying a, a box, cardboard box, and I, I let him in. Introduced ourselves to each other, and, and it, the box contained about 20 homegrown tomatoes from their garden. And even though they live uh, five or six miles away, he said his wife had found out about us, and they wanted to donate these tomatoes. So he and I walked down to the pantry. And then he said, well, some of these tomatoes are pretty ripe. <laughs> and I looked in the box, and oh, yeah, he was right. And, uh, and I realized, well, our pantry's not going to be open for another six days, and I'm afraid some of them wouldn't keep. So I asked what he thought about donating them to the staff and families at our daycare and preschool. He thought that would be a great idea. So that's what we did. And... Um, I don't know what his faith is. I don't know if he's a Jesus follower. But somehow, he and his wife had identified Faith Westwood as a place that cares for people. And I think that's what Jesus was hoping for. I think that's what he was hoping for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you will give us eyes to see the faces of those around us. Those who need encouragement, those who need a job, those who are overworked and underpaid, those who are in constant pain, those who are addicted. We will go to them, Lord because we know that you want us to love them and bless them. Oh, Lord, save us from an attitude of superiority, even accidentally. Give us humility. Give us compassion. Give us a merciful faith. And may many people come to know you and receive your mercy. For themselves. And all God's people said, Amen.